Hello and welcome to another episode of Mindshare Radio Podcast. My name is Kevin Whelan and today I want to talk to you a little bit about my recent experience working with uh, some real estate agents. We've been kind of deciding whether or not we want to um, buy a a new house and, uh, you know, somewhere with a little more space. And um, yeah, it's been really interesting because we've been working with a couple different realtors depending on what location we may end up wanting to live in. So they're, you know, we have the luxury of uh, location independence and um, that means we can work with a couple different real estate agents to potentially in different markets to help us potentially find a house, right? And we have the the benefit of time because, you know, we're not really in a rush. We don't really have things that uh, are urgent that need uh, us to move you know, anytime soon. So, uh, yeah, it's been interesting to see the difference. So we have one realtor who's kind of junior, you know, he's, he's a bit younger and he's, he's, he's okay. He's good. Um, we have another one who it was a recommendation for us in another town and, uh, he's, he's a vet and he's, he's great and he's proactive. He sends us uh, listings and goes above and beyond to kind of suggest places we could potentially live and, and has knowledge of, you know, what happens if you want to live in a rural area or what happens if you want to build and all the different local you know rules and, and, and laws and, and nuances that we would never even think about. And, uh, this past weekend, my realtor was, was away and there was a property that we liked. Uh, it was a long weekend. And, uh, so we, we, um, he, he seen, but he, he introduced us to someone else on his team and, and that realtor was amazing. He was, uh, extraordinary. He brought us to the space. He, he had all the information lined up about all the different stuff. You know, it's a rural property. So there's a lot of things to think about. Um, he had called a realtor, gathered all this info and then came to us basically ready to go. And, uh, there was a, still a lot of unknowns. So we still had to do a lot of chasing. He ended up chasing um, more information over the next like day or two until the, they were taking offers and really just did a great job. He did a summary email at the end of uh, our tour to kind of really articulate all the things we talked about, all the questions we had, things to think about. Uh, you know, as I mentioned before in a previous episode, he got us excited about the property, you know, showed us the pros and the cons and showed us, you know, here's, here's the things you need to look for. Um, they didn't know the age of the house and there was a few other little nuances as well as, you know, a whole bunch of other factors. And really what we left was this feeling that he went above and beyond relative to our current realtor, the, the one who, you know, referred us in the first place. And that kind of made us, you know, it kind of, for me, made me realize that, you know, and by the way, uh, we didn't end up getting the place, but we were very close. Um, uh, but it made us realize that, uh, you know, if, if you want to get referred, like, cause we were like, I'm like, I'll write you a glowing review and testimonial and, you know, you're extraordinary and we couldn't be more highly complimentary just at the way he handled everything, called the local city, did all these things for us, mostly without us asking, um, anticipating our needs and then having the information ready and, and even telling us about things to watch for and, and look for, as well as getting us, you know, excited and saying, here's the potential and here's what, what's good about this place. Um, so really great at kind of balancing the line between getting, helping you get excited, which is an important thing because you're always going to be a bit nervous uh, making a large purchase like a home, uh, but also just sort of managing expectations and things to think about. And just gathering the facts really and just kind of making the unknowns less and less. So a couple of takeaways is one, you know, as an advisor, your job is to help keep the spirit of the engagement high to help um, create optimism when when things are getting difficult, which they always do when you're going through a lot of different projects. Um, but also to to be sort of an advocate to anticipate the needs and the questions and the problems and to, to really just kind of call them out when you see them and, you know, um, make people aware that, yeah, certain things are going to be an issue or certain things are going wrong or this is not working or, you know, some of the hard things as well as the good stuff. So 
what I liked about him is he felt like an advocate. He was a pro in terms of anticipating our needs and the, you know, brought a lot of knowledge and expertise of those types of properties to the table. And that really helped kind of us um, make a very big decision in a very short amount of time. Um, and then going above and beyond. So, you know, if, if you're going to get referrals, like doing the minimum, doing the table stakes is only going to get you, um, maybe a happy customer or client. But uh, when you find ways to go above and beyond expectations and you over deliver and you build your business in such a way that there's margin to be able to over deliver, then that's where things really kind of start to take off for your business. You know, when people go, wow, not only was this maybe not in scope or not what I was expecting, uh, but you also brought so much more to the table that we didn't even anticipate. And that can only come through specialization, through experience, uh, through charging a price premium so that you have wiggle room to be able to over deliver without it becoming a loss leader for you. And uh, yeah, I mean, that's kind of your goal. So, you know, all this kind of reminded me anytime I work with a, a knowledge worker or, you know, or an advisor of some kind, it's great to kind of see the, um, the uh like the benefits or the things that they're doing well and the things that they're not and uh and just kind of seeing now three different realtors uh this one unfortunately will only be with us for the weekend because he was covering for my realtor um but i wish i could switch uh no you know, I'm, only, I'm only kind of kidding but he's really that good that i was like wow this guy is going to the to go into the wall for us he, you know he was even do, he did research on facebook about the property and the people like the sellers were posting all this stuff about the property because they were selling it and and all the streams of people saying what great memories they had like the level of detail this guy went into to uncover information because uh the selling realtor didn't have much information to offer and so on the one hand, I want to talk today about over delivering with your clients and doing that through having a price premium, designing your business to be able to go above and beyond the scope that you have, maintaining margin in your business so you're not constrained and really working, specializing and working with your ideal clients so that you can keep making your products and services really tuned in and dialed in for them uh, as opposed to, you know, making things broad in general so that it's really hard for you to create that wow over delivering of experience. But on the other hand, I also want to talk to you about the other side of the experience that I had, which was the other realtor and the other realtor and, and, and how incentives work and ethics. So this is where the story gets maybe a little more interesting. And the, the other side of the story is the, um, the, the realtor was bringing their own offer. So they had a buyer as well. So they were basically representing the seller and a potential buyer of the property. And you know, the realtor who was representing us basically said, I can't prove this, but I think he's, it's like dragging, uh, it's like pulling teeth, trying to get information out of this guy. I can't prove anything, but I, I think he's trying to be a little bit vague, you know, basically said, he knows nothing about the property because the previous owner, uh, one of them had passed away and apparently they were the knowledge keeper and they pretty much knew, knew nothing about the house, including the age, which was between 100 and 200 years old, if you can believe that. Um, so he think, you know, he was kind of being obfuscating a little bit and making it difficult to get information. And then like a whole bunch of examples of this that I won't get into. Um, so yeah, so that was the one part. So when you're representing two interests, one, you know, both sides of the coin, and this is where ex selling execution and advice gets difficult is because on the one hand, when you're selling advice, you're like, here's my best advice. That's what you're paying for. It's a fixed fee. It's a fiduciary standard. But if you're also selling execution, uh, or in this case, you're representing the other side of the deal, the other side of the buyer, there's sort of a backend incentive for you not to be fully um, aligned with your client's interests. And that's, again, not a criticism of anyone who sells strategy and execution. It's really just an inherent like tug and it's not unethical to do it. It just creates a, a tug and you have to find ways to put it arm's length 
you know, the, the profit that you're going to be making on execution work. My method is to not sell execution, to bring in people to do execution so that your advice is biased, neutral, and trust trusting, and your clients don't have to keep their guard up. And I made a reference to uh, a naturopath or a nutritionist that I spoke to before who, who would give me you know, health advice, but then also tell me what to buy from his particular um, supplements online portal or something. So then I'm wondering, do I need all these supplements or, or are these, uh, is this just the way that they monetize, you know, their backend offering? So it poses that question, even though I have no reason to doubt them. So it kind of keeps my guard up a little because I'm constantly, I know with the knowledge of that, I know I have to kind of vet the information that I'm given. And that's, it's just an experience thing. So which is so all this to say is this is very different than the realtor situation where the realtor is perfectly legally entitled to sell both ends of the deal as long as you do it fairly, as long as you are transparent about all information, you provide everything you know, necessary to the buyer. Um, doesn't mean you can't drag your feet or make it difficult to pull stuff, you know, or not have things organized already. But that's a conflict in that case uh, of interest between the seller and the buyer, because on the one hand, you don't want to give people all the information uh, so that, you know, so that your buyer can get it and you get both ends of the deal. You basically double the commission. So all that is to say, that's that's fine. Not a big deal. I don't even know if I'm supposed to talk about this next part, but hey, it wasn't my realtor um, uh, that did this. But so basically we decided to decline on the offer. And what ended up happening was they came back to us right when they were supposed to be accepting offers at 9 p.m. And they said, look, we got one offer that was conditional and it was at this price and a higher price than we were willing to offer. And one offer that was unconditional at this price uh, with no conditions, but we want it to be higher. And he shouldn't have told our realtor that information, frankly. Uh, that's completely unethical. And it was basically looking for us to come in with an unconditional offer uh, between those two, or at least higher than the the unconditional one because the seller didn't want conditions. And I guess like five or so other um, potential buyers uh, who thought they're gonna, who he thought they're gonna put in an offer for, ended up not pulling, putting an offer in. And maybe that's due to the fact that there was a lot of questions and a lot of uh, things uncertain. Uh, but regardless of what happened, um, it just goes to show you about ethics, right? Like uh, that realtor, you know, I wouldn't trust trust that realtor at all. Now, you know, knowing uh, what I know about them, my realtor was great in terms of, you know, not saying anything about what we were willing to, to put in or anything like that, kept it completely sealed. And I believe him when he said that. And um, yeah, I think honestly, it's just at the end of the day, uh, you, you know, as an advisor, your reputation is all you have. And maybe you're not breaking rules, although I don't know if that's probably breaking rules to go and disclosing the price of the other sellers. Um, but uh, at the at the very least, you have to have a high, high ethical standard, things like keeping things private if it's shared with you privately. You know, my standard for, for privacy is if it's available in public on the Internet, I'm happy to sh I can share it, you know, as an example of something to someone. Uh, but if it's something that's internal, it's a strategy, it's a thought process, uh, it's a it's your plans, it's your budgets, your goals, whatever those are not visible on the internet. So they're, they're always private to my individual clients. So that's my standard, but that's just one of many ethical standards that we need to face. And if your clients ever get the whiff that you're willing to bend on your ethics, then they're going to start to erode trust in you as well. Or if they sense that you are taking both ends of a deal, they may begin to trust your advice, uh, distrust, or at least question some of your advice, which is why when I'm in an advisory relationship, not only do I not sell execution work, I also don't take a commission when I refer someone because I don't want them, I don't want my clients, and even though they would probably be fine with it, I'm sure, I trust you, This these guys sound good. Um, like, not only is that 
like I just don't take the money because I don't want them even wondering like are they only referring this agency over another because they take a 10% 20% commission or or not so I don't do that I don't take any affiliate commissions when I re- recommend software when in the context of an advisory relationship so if I'm not currently advising a client, someone comes to me and says, hey, I'm looking for a web de- developer. Sure, I'll take a referral fee if it ends up being a successful relationship um, and I'll leave it up to them to decide. Maybe I'll refer one or two people and that's a friendly gesture and cost them nothing. And um, you know, that's that's a product of my hard work to get those leads in, in, uh, in, in the first place. And then my trust transferring it to that particular supplier and then I just give them the best recommendation possible. But when I'm in an advisory retainer, I don't take software referral fees. I don't take... Uh, supplier referral fees, partner referral fees. Uh, my fees are my fees and there's no backend deals or incentive. And that allows me to just, just say, Hey, this is the best advice that I have. These are the best people I have, the best tools and resources. I don't make any money anywhere else. So there's really no incentive for me ever to, 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 you know, make any money else wise. So my goal is to give you the best advice possible to get results and then have you stay around the longest. So all that is to say is this stuff is, is not being a fiduciary advisor is not the same as the ethics of this real estate uh, agent who definitely broke some of their ethics, I think on a couple, a couple parts and maybe even some of the rules around what's allowed and what's not, especially in a negotiation like that. So, but the, but the bigger point is that, you know, at the end of the day, all you have are your ethics and your reputation and, and your client's trust. So uh, protect that and always keep a high, high level of integrity whenever you can. And on the front end of things, um, you know, building your services in a way that you can, over deliver for your clients that you can deliver more than promised specializing so that you have more available resources and tools and repeatable processes to be able to help your clients and exceed their expectations every time. And then keeping margin into your business. So you have time to, to think, to read, to learn, to, you know, to invest in your knowledge and, um, and so that you can over deliver for your clients. So as long as you over deliver and maintain your integrity, I think you're going to have great testimonials, great case studies. Um, and the more you specialize, the, the more this is all going to perpetuate for you, which is why if you recall, I don't have it in front of me, but if you recall my kind of mindshare methodology, where at the very top, I'll see if I can pull it up for you quickly at the very top of the kind of pyramid that I have, you have niching, right? And then, um, and then below that is, uh, is methodology. So my iPad doesn't seem to want to cooperate with me right now. So I can't do that for you, but anyway, so that's why that thing at the very top really is the most important, um, factor because it, it does allow you to kind of double down and, uh, and really concentrate your efforts to produce the best quality assets, materials, advice, systems, processes, and repeatable kind of, um, tools. So if you're listening to this, you won't be able to see my screen, but I'm going to just pull up my Mindshare methodology uh, if I can. I think I did it in Procreate. And uh, and if you're if you're watching this, here it is. You can see it right now. So let me just pull that up. Can we get that? Okay, I got to unplug this. There we go. Niche, credibility. There's my camera not focusing right now. Anyway, what we have at the very top is niche, credibility, then methodology, then business model, and then marketing engine. So you can't really see that without, there you go. Um, So that's why at the very top, that's so, so important, you know, is building that niche and then defining that credibility as well as the other thing, which also includes your reputation and your integrity and all the other stuff that goes along your trustworthiness at the end of the day. Um, 
yeah. So anyway, just wanted to share all that stuff with you. And if, again, if you're listening to this, sorry to take you on a journey that you can't see, but I just wanted to really focus on that niche part is, is the most important. It makes everything else a lot easier for you. So just final takeaways uh, as a consultant, if you are looking to continue growing your business, the best way to do that is through over delivering and creating great word of mouth and a great reputation. And on the other hand, you want to also be extremely ethical, extremely trustworthy and, um, and avoid any conflict of incentives whenever possible. Uh, at the end of the day, you want to be an advocate for your clients, uh, not just an advisor. So with that line, I will bid you adieu. And uh, thank you so much for attending once again. Okay. Bye for now.